You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 203, Cheyenne Olson and the Foundation of Scripture. Hey friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins, as usual. Thanks so much for being here. I am so excited that you are, and it is always a pleasure to bring a wonderful conversation to you about what God's doing in the world. And I can't wait. I think this one is going to be really good. If you haven't had a chance to go out to halfwaytherepodcast.com. You can sign up so that you can get notifications of our new episodes. You can also support the show. If it means something to you, you like it, you love hearing it every week, uh, go to Patreon. There's a little Patreon button on every single show notes page and at halfwaytherepodcast.com. You can just, even five bucks a month makes a big difference, helps us keep this show running. So I'd love to have you go and do that. And uh, you can also get access to episodes early. You can get uh, swag if you want a halfway there shirt, which I wear often and uh, would love to send you one of those as well. Okay. So thanks a lot for your support. And I hope this show is valuable to you. Our guest today, she's a writer, she's a blogger, a podcaster who spends a lot of her time mentoring high school and college students. So that's uh, something we'll have to talk about. And I'm sure it'll be very interesting. Our guest today is Cheyenne Olson. Cheyenne, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so glad to have you here. You're coming to us from the uh, the great tundra of the the north of the United States. How is yes, it? We're finally snow free, <laughs> at least it? here in the Twin Cities. That's very good, <laughs> man. I, Minnesota. That was. I grew up in Iowa, so you know we have this sort of friendly rivalry with Minnesota. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> we still win all the time. Oh no, I can't <laughs> believe. All right, I shouldn't have gone there. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Uh love the love the Midwest. Um so let's let's uh tell us a little bit about you and kind of where you are and what what God has you doing right now. Well, right now as you mentioned, I live in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. I have a uh, four boys and my with my with my husband and we've been married for almost 22 years. And it's I'm busy doing writing, starting to get ready to launch my podcast. Um, writing books and Bible studies, mentoring. I mentor, like you said, high school, college students, but I've also been mentoring a lot of young moms and young mm. young women as well as in the last several months. And that's been really fun too, to pour into these women as well. Um, that's pretty much where I am there, besides being a sports mom between football and wrestling. Mm-hmm. And where does he have me now? It's basically teaching, mentoring, writing. Like I said, getting ready to launch this podcast. Yeah. It's, been busy but it's been great too yeah it sounds like you're kind of on an outward swing of your of your journey helping others yes yeah absolutely very cool uh did you grow up in minnesota i did i did i grew up in northern minnesota actually right outside of duluth okay we moved down to the twin cities about middle school and then i've been here ever since yeah what was your family like well, to start with my family, I'd have to kind of start with my parents. Um, they did not grow up in Christian homes. They didn't become Christians until I was about six or seven years old. And then from that time on, I've been basically living in a Christian home and grew up in a Christian home and active in church. Um, how, how, did that, was, how did that change things for you? Like what, you, was it a remarkable difference or was it just like you were a kid and you didn't really notice or was it like? It was a big difference actually. Hmm. Um just the 
lifestyles that we lived and the kind of habits and things that we did were totally different than what they were before. So that was kind of cool. Did that make an impression on you? That change. Pardon? Did that make an impression on you? Very much so. Mm. Um, seeing how some of the lifestyle changes, like from the drinking and the partying, um, went away and spending more time in church and around with Christian people and getting to know who Jesus is. Uh, definitely made a huge impression on me as a kid, especially as I got older and I can see the difference in the lifestyles and how that's affected me to make better choices in my own personal life and to be able to have the compassion that I need and the love I need for those that haven't made such wise choices and just be able to say, hey, I've seen how this goes down a bad path and this probably isn't a good path for you to go on and I'd like to help you turn around. Yeah. It sounds like that was a big change. How did your faith start to become your own? Well, when I was younger and I went to church, I was never really encouraged to dig into scripture or to read the Bible on my own. I mean, it was kind of like, yeah, you should read your Bible, but that was kind of about it. There was no education as to how to read the Bible and what to do with it once you've read it. So as I grew older and into high school, it was kind of the same thing. You know, you go to church, you participate in high school yeah. in the youth group and all that jazz. But then it still wasn't that pull, that drive to dig into scripture. And so it wasn't actually until I went to college and I went to the University of Northwestern here in um, Stillwater, I'm sorry, Roseville, Minnesota. And it was there that I learned how to study scripture because you're in classes and you learn how to study theology and then how to dig into scripture. But I didn't really learn how to apply scripture until much later in my adulthood life. Mm. And that's when I started to really grow significantly in my faith. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that certainly is an important stage. What was it? So was it a Christian school that you went to? Yes. Northwestern yeah. college is what it was. And it has been renamed like recently to the university of Northwestern. Oh, okay, cool. And it's here in St. Paul, Minnesota. So it's kind of, um, the same kind of line as Bethel university, if you've heard of them. Oh yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. I, uh, so there's a lot of Northwestern universities. I was going to go to one in Iowa, in Orange City, but they're even gone now. I don't think they even exist. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that was there. <laughs> yeah, interesting, right? Um, okay, so so that's interesting. So how did, um, was there anything about studying scripture there that really um, like kind of got your attention or that stood out to you as, a, as kind of a formative experience when, as you were studying it? Actually, yes. When I was doing my Christian theology class, that was probably the most, mm. I would say, profound class for me because that was when I started to realize I needed to own my own faith. I couldn't be on somebody else's faith. I was going to stand up to Christ and on my own. And I had to wrestle with some of the challenges and issues that the church had wrestled with and I had to decide where I stood and I had to, mm. you know, really just make that be part of who I am yeah. and my identity. Was there an issue that really, really like drove you? I don't think it was a particular issue. I think it was just a whole concept of mm. me having to own my own faith and me having to be able to know that when the time comes and we stand before Christ, we are standing by him in front of him alone and we have to be able to say, yes, I am. I have followed you. Yeah. And, and that was what I was like, I don't know if I could say that to him in all fairness at that time in my life. 
and I wanted to make sure that I could, and I wanted to know what that meant and how to do it. Yeah. So what was the conviction? Was there any kind of specific, uh, you know, f- convictions of like, okay, this is something I need to believe or I need to, I need to change or any, like, what was, what was that like? Not there in college as much. It was more of just trying to soak as much in as I could informationally. The challenge that I had there though, is that it was an educational situation. So it was very academic. So when you're studying there and you're learning how to study scripture, you're also studying for an exam because you have to take all these tests, right. To pass the class. So that was one, it was a different type of study. But it wasn't until after I was married that my faith became mine and it really started to resonate Mm. and totally change me. And we were at our church and shortly after our third son was born or between our second and third son, I was really wrestling with a lot of depression and some very destructive behaviors as compulsive spending. As you can imagine, that had a lot to do with, it really hurt our marriage quite a bit because I was overspending significantly because that was my drug of choice. And my husband said, this isn't who you really are. Let's figure out what's going on. So he took me to marriage counseling and the marriage counselor was very astute. And she said, you know, you've got some bigger issues going here. We need to figure out what's going on. So I spent a lot of time in prayer just saying, God, I don't know. I have no idea. I had no place else to cry out to. And then he revealed and allowed all these repressed memories of sexual abuse to erupt in my life. And that's not my story, but it is a good place of where it started. Mm. And from that eruption, I mean, everything that I thought I was, my foundation, everything just kind of went boom and I was gone. I had nothing left and I was just so stuck. But the most profound change that I had is of all the crazy things, I was watching Extreme Makeover Home Edition, which is a show I've never watched before or since. But I was watching it because I was so empty and I just didn't have the energy to do much of anything else. And this wonderful woman, she was this beautiful lady. She had two, two kids of her own. She had saved and saved and saved and saved a whole bunch of money to try to put a second story under her house. And the story goes is that the contractor came in, took her savings, did a mm. half job, and then left. Makeover came in to, do the, to redo her house. And they realized that her house was not strong, structurally strong enough to hold a second story. And if they would have finished the job, the house had collapsed and killing everybody inside. Oh, wow. So they basically had to take that house all the way down to the foundation, reinforce the foundation and rebuild the structure. And as I sat there, just kind of just my heart was broken for her. God just whispered to my heart and he says, baby, that's exactly what I got to do with you. And that's exactly what he has started to do. Wow. And then that's when I was my mother-in-law shortly after that invited me to Bible study at her church. And I engaged in my first Bethmore Bible study. And I saw who she was on the screen. I saw her love and passion for Christ and for the word. And all I could think to myself is, God, I want that. I want that. I want that kind of love for you. I want that kind of love for your word. And he said, do what she does. So I started studying like she does. And that's when, that's when the word became so vibrant and relevant to me and my passion to have others to see that too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so what is that? You know, that's that's certainly a powerful thing that God said to you, right? I've got to got to take you down to the studs, as it were, right? <laughs> take you down the foundation, and then and then build that up. What what did that uh, teardown process look like for you? It was awful. I mean, I can't lie. I mean, when you yeah. when your whole world just kind of erupts and you have no idea what's end is up and down, 
and everything that you thought you were and who you thought you were is gone. But at the same time, knowing that he had me and just that confidence that he had me, even though there were times I'm like, God, are you still there? Are you still there? Mm -hmm. Um, And he'd be like, yeah, I'm still here. But it literally took me down and completely changed who I am because who I am now and who I was before then, I'm not the same person. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that sounds like quite the transformation. It was a huge transformation because tender compassion didn't have it before. I was very angry and very bitter, probably because of the depression and the repressed memories and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But yeah, totally changed who I was and he changed me because he changed the way I thought. I really clung to um, Romans 12 too, where it says, you know, having the renewal of the mind. And then again, you know, having, and then first Corinthians where it says, you know, having the mind of Christ. And that was something I really clung to during that time. I'm like, God changed my mind, changed the way I think, changed the way I see myself, the way I see you so that I can learn more about who you are. Yeah. Were there things that helped you? Like what, besides obviously the scriptures, but was there, like, whether there's a practice, how did you read it? How did you, how did you keep that in front of you? So that first year, that first Bible study I did was actually a woman's heart, God's dwelling place, which was a study on the tabernacle, which was absolutely oh, yeah. profound. And I absolutely enjoyed that one. But then over the summer, I spent all my time in the gospels. So what I typically do when I study scripture is I open up the word and I'll read an entire book all the way through first. So like I would spend like a couple hours and I would just completely read, say the book of Luke. That's always where I first start and send anybody when they're starting in Bible study too, as I say, start with Luke. And then I would read all the way through just to get a good solid overview. And then I go through it section by section. And then I just kind of devour that and just like, okay, God, what are you saying here? What's going on? Who's here? What's happening? You know? And then I'm like, well, how can I apply this to my life? And then I go through it a third time, verse by verse. And then I just really interact with that verse. And that's when I started learning to use things like lexical aids and Mm -hmm. Bible encyclopedias and that kind of a thing, just to be able to have a deeper understanding of, okay, so this is the culture. This is really what's going on here. And then being able to see my story in their story and seeing their story in my story, because, you know, time can change, culture changes, language changes, but people don't. So we're always, <laughs> right. we do still do the same stupid stuff today that they did then. So yeah. um, being able to learn from them and their experiences. So that's basically what I started to do is trying to see the human side of scripture and just trying to put myself and immerse into it. Yeah. I love that. We still have the same motivations, right? I mean, like there's, oh, yeah. there's no, <laughs> there's no, nothing's different. And so, you know, it's easy to read. This happens a lot with the disciples, right? It's easy to read them and go and see their questions and go, what are you, why would you ask that? Right. And it's easy for us. Cause we've got 2000 years of tradition to, to listen to. They had a whole different tradition of 2000 years that they were listening to. Right. Right. Um, I've been sort of stuck recently and not stuck. Actually for me, this is moving on. I've been, I've been for like six months. I've been in John 13, just reading Jesus, washing mm-hmm. the disciples feet. Very interesting. But jo- mm-hmm. now I've moved on to John 14 just this week. And it's so fascinating to me to, to, watch Jesus have this conversation with his disciples. Like it's not, we sometimes read that sort of soliloquy or whatever it is that he's giving to in that, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 right there. But, um, and think it's like he's preaching, but it's really a conversation. And so there's, there's this, um, you know, Jesus says something like, well, you, and you know where I'm going. 
And then one of the disciples pipes up and goes, I have no idea where you go. Where are you going? What do you mean? What? You know? Uh, and he says, you know, you've seen the father. If you've seen me and they go, well, show us the father. Cause I don't get it. Right? right. And they're just really human. They're just like trying to understand. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives us a lot of hope, right? Like that just oh, gives, gives me a lot of like, okay, it's all right. And sometimes I don't even think Jesus was necessarily, maybe he was frustrated. Like that was a tough night for him. Right. So <laughs> maybe he was frustrated. But I, but to see that is really, really helpful and it can really change you. Right. And I had to remind myself over and over again that we have the whole canon of scripture, right? We right. have all of the different books. We see that we know the beginning and the end. We have the whole thing, the whole story for him, but they were living it out breath by breath and step by step. Yeah. And they were trying to get it. And it, what I love seeing the, the disciples is seeing also my own personal growth. Because like you were saying, they're still trying to get it. They're still trying to understand. They're only a couple of years into this whole discipleship thing with him. And it really wasn't until the Holy Spirit came in and infused them in Acts that all of a sudden it's like the light bulb seemed to finally go on for them. And it's just like, yeah, that kind of works for me too. Cause that's kind of how I feel like my life has been in a little bit longer framework, obviously, but yeah. just the same thing is that that light bulb experience, like, Oh, there it is. Yeah. And then that heart and that passion that you just got to share this because of how much it's changed your life. Yeah. Did that light bulb happen in a moment? Like, was there a moment when you remember going, Oh, okay. I get, I get this thing now. Or is there, was it just a lot of little lights going off? I would say for a while it was a lot of little lights going on. I think it was that experience when I was watching Extreme Makeover mm. that was profound, the most profound to me because it was the first time I really had heard God's voice mm. speak directly to my heart and knowing that it was him and knowing that he's got this and he's got my journey and my story. Yeah. And just knowing that, you know, when he said, I'm going to rebuild you, I'm going to remake you. It's because I'm going to use you for my glory. I'm going to use you to share my message with others. And knowing that there was a purpose behind the, the destruction and the rebuilding also was a big, huge benefit for me to have that, to know, to cling to when those times were really hard and I was on my floor in tears or the depression would get to be really heavy and the loss and the mornings of some of the relationships that got broken because of the healing process. And mm. yeah, cause it was a long process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can imagine that that takes mm-hmm. a while. It's interesting. We often, we love the stories where uh, transformation happens overnight, right? Like that's, right. that's wonderful. Um, but that's not usually how it works. No, <laughs> it doesn't. It takes a long time to, to dig a hole, right? It takes a long time to dig out of a hole too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that, that can definitely take some time. Um, okay. So, so you started doing these, you know, these Bible studies and that, that really, really shaped you. Um, and it sounds like there were some, some really good scriptures there. What, um, what happened after that? How, how did you start uh, getting into, you know, helping others with that? I started, well, early on, even before the whole repressed memories came out, I was already mentoring high school students in our church because we were involved in our youth ministry. And obviously my mentoring changed significantly after all of this took place, but I started, you know, I was trying to encourage others in their faith, but it was um, probably about 2013. Yeah, I would say it was 2013. I started working with our youth ministry at church and our and I started 
I had a bunch of freshman girls and they, they're still my girls today, even though they're now in college. <laughs> but, um, but I, my girls and I would spend a lot of time together in the word and teaching them how to study the Bible and how to apply it. So I wanted them to not have to take this long of a process to figure it out that I did. And then I started having other moms saying, Hey, would you also mentor my older daughter or would you mentor my older daughter? Or it was friends of my kids, you know, that would come and just say, Hey mom, can we talk? So I end up being called mama O a lot and <laughs> just kind of another nickname and say, hey, mama, can we come, can I come and hang out? And, you know, I have my office behind me and I've got a little now an area in my office that I just, people just come and hang out and visit and talk. And this fall, I started mentoring other young moms by after I wrote a Bible study this last summer, we taught, I taught it at our church this, this fall. And some of those that participated, they're like, Hey, would you mentor me? Would you help? disciple me and that kind of a thing. So that's how I started getting into that. Yeah. I think people are really, uh, really craving that kind of discipleship. I agree. I completely agree. And that's my biggest passion is to teach people how to do that. Why do you think that is? I think part of it is we have a culture right now that is very surface level. Um, as far as relationships go, it's, Hey, how are you doing? It's a niceties. But people don't get to be real or real authentic and honest with each other as much as we used to be. I think a lot of that is social media, but I also think a big piece of it is there's just like this underlying, it seems to me, this level of distrust and and fear of being hurt. And so people have these really high guards up. There's been a lot of pain. I don't know how much you, I mean, with your stories and stuff that you've shared here on your podcast you know, there's a lot of pain that people have and that causes, you know, a lot of people to be more cautious. But I think the other reason is, is I just don't think a lot of churches offer discipleship. If they have a discipleship program, it's usually more like a small group or a class setting, as opposed to that one-on-one interaction where you Mm. can get down and get down and dirty with it. I guess you could say, just get down to the real nitty gritty of things and, just do life with somebody in a very real, honest way yeah. in a safe way too. Right. Uh, safety, I think is key. I think uh, expectations are a big part of it as well. And um, I also think it doesn't scale, right? It's really hard. It's much better if you can get 500 people or a thousand people in a room and have one right. person teach all of them. Um, but, uh, or at least from a from an economy standpoint, right? So a church right. paying somebody, you're going to pay some the person who most who can speak to the most people, right? Um, but real discipleship, that's part of it, but it's not all of it. And no. you you need to have some you know, personal react inner relationships. Um, I'm fond of saying you cannot. Uh, nobody changes unless they have an interaction with the living Christ. Exactly. But often that doesn't happen in a large group setting. It has to happen when a friend leads you to Jesus, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I do believe that a lot of it is a lot of people don't want to sacrifice the time and the energy it takes to actually disciple somebody. And so, or to t- spend that time teaching them how to do the word and also learning how to take them from that level of discipleship and then learning how to disciple them to, so that they can disciple others. Right. And I think that's one of the, that's a key piece that also gets missed frequently is that teaching those that you're discipling to become disciples, disciplers, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, that's part of the great commission, right? Is go, go and make disciples. Um, and the funny thing is Jesus kind of models that, but mm-hmm. it, it's hard to, you know, it's hard for us to kind of do, I think it takes kind of a radical commitment, like you're saying, right? It takes oh, yeah. a radical choice to actually be involved with people. Um, oh yeah. I get a lot of calls in the middle of the night or early in the morning yeah. or, you know, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you handle that? I get up and I go close my door and I go into my office and I sit and chat with them. Sometimes for some of the younger kids, if they've been at a party and they're like, I don't feel safe here, would you come and get me? I've done that many times too. Wow. Um, but just knowing that I'm a safe person that can they can talk with and that they can share stuff with. And I have yet to have a parent that doesn't appreciate that. You know, they're yeah. always like, I'm so glad they have you. Right. At least have somebody to talk to. So, um, because otherwise sometimes these parents just don't know how to handle some of those situations or there's their child doesn't feel comfortable sharing or, you know, as they, you know, these younger moms are like, I just don't know who to turn to. I, you know, this mom thing is crazy and it's hard and the marriage <laughs> thing is crazy and hard and you're trying to balance it all. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's to me, it's, um, it's also very rewarding and I think that's the piece that a lot of people that could be discipling miss is that the reward that you see when you watch somebody fall in love with Jesus and you watch their faith explode. I can't, t- that gives me so much joy. I mean, just even thinking about it, it just makes me want to jump up and down because it's just yeah. like, you see that, just that light go on. You see that passion develop inside of them. You're like, that's life change. That's a Jesus change. And that's super exciting to bet you get that front row seat. And you just don't get that in a big, huge class as much. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. This is uh, one of my favorite things to talk about because I, I uh, you know, I just think it's so important. Right? I think we ha- we've got to do it and uh, we've we've got to make space for it. And you know what? It's hard. When, when you have a family, it's tough to do that, right? You're right. You're, it is. You know, it's, it's enough to try to disciple your own kids. Um, but, but as, as you get old enough, as you get older, you know, there's, or even, even trying to just have relationships, right. You know, like right now we're in the middle of the COVID craziness, but I I'm trying to keep in touch with my friends, right. Trying to text them mm-hmm. periodically and see how they're doing and see what they need. And, uh, you know, just keep in touch. And that takes a lot of energy, right. But as in, in addition to trying to work from home and do all the things. So agreed. Interesting. So, okay. Um, what do you think would help people the most to, if they, if they're hearing this and they're going, yeah, I think God's calling me to help disciple others. I would say first spend some significant time in prayer and just say, God, this is exactly what you want. If this is what you want me to do. Um, I, I just started getting some resources on how to be a good discipler and discipleship books. I'm trying to remember some titles off the top of my head, but Christian book distributor has so many great opportunities to look in. Um, you can find some on Amazon too, obviously, but, um, disciple maker, I think is one of them. And I, I read and I've read a couple others, but the other big thing is just lead me and guide me to show me the right person and the right Avenue that I could use to do this with. And so maybe it is getting involved with maybe your youth ministry or your student ministry or young adult ministry or whatever, or even going to your church and saying, I really have a desire to do this. And who could you connect me with that would, that could utilize, you know, that I could, that I could serve in this way. 
And sometimes your church could say, hey, you know what, we've got three or four new people that have started coming. They're young Christians or new Christians, or they've been Christians for a while, but they haven't really, they've been stagnant in their faith and they're looking for something like this. You guys would be a great fit. And so just trying to ask God to guide you to the right place would be the first place I would start. And then I would just talk to that person and sit down and say, tell me about you. What do you enjoy doing? What are your passions? What are you looking for? What, how can I help you? Um, what are what are you needing to do? And if they're like, I really just need to know Jesus, that's when I say, start with Luke. Let's start going through Luke together because Gentile to Gentile, you know, the, the author is a Gentile, is writing to Gentiles. It's very orderly and methodical. It's very, it's nicely detailed, but not over the top. And it's very easy to follow. And so that's usually where I start too. And I say, well, let's get to know who Jesus is first. Mm-hmm. And then we can go from there. And usually things just take their own course from that point. For yeah. me anyway, and what I've done the last 20 some years. Yeah, I love that. I think, uh, you know, because it really is all about Jesus. I mean, we, we say that yes. a lot of times. Uh, I don't know how it was for you in your studies, but we tended to spend more time in the epistles than we did in the gospels. But Jesus is what God is like. Brian Zahn says that. I think he's so right. I told you about... Um, my time in John four, right? Like mm-hmm. again, Jesus is saying, Hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Jesus says what God is like. Wow. That's incredible. Got to start exactly. with that. Yeah. Yeah. But I always usually take the people I disciple through all of the gospels first. Mm-hmm. Cause that, cause what I love about the gospels is that so many of the same stories you see in different gospels, right? But it's like getting a different angle of the same story. So you can get a fuller picture of it, a more multi-dimensional picture of the same story or the same event or whatever. And I really appreciate that. And also the different perspectives because obviously Mark and Luke, who were not disciples of Jesus, but were with Paul are going to have a different perspective because they did all the research. Whereas Matthew and John got a front row seat to it all. Right. So it's just, to me, it's in just their different perspectives because they're just different people, different backgrounds. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, and there's a whole thing with that. If depends on how deep you want to go, but the uh, you know, mm-hmm. with Mark exactly. for sure. Um, I love how immediate everything is in Mark. Mm-hmm. Very like boom, 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 and mm-hmm. uh, and some some of that's actually been kind of um, washed out actually in, uh, over the years, which is interesting. There's a um, which I'm gonna have to go too deep in that, but it's it's just interesting. They'll change words from like um. In John or Mark, Mark one, this leper approaches Jesus and he says, "It says Jesus was filled with compassion." And so a lot of texts will, will use that one, but there's a variant in the text that says Jesus was indignant. And so then we really have to wrestle with Jesus, right? What does that mean that Jesus is indignant? Whoa! Mm-hmm. And that's probably the original reading because it's just nobody would change it to that, right? So, right. Uh, anyway, very interesting. But you you can get into all that, but you don't have to, right? In order to still get something from it. I'm a big advocate for both, um, you know, deep study. That's why right, right here, you can see all my word, my, uh, my, yeah, I'm looking my at that theological, <laughs> uh, dictionary of the new Testament. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, got that. I say, I went to Bible college to study the Bible and seminary to learn how to pray. <laughs> That's kind of how that went. Uh, but also learning how to how to just meditate on scripture and put it. Mm-hmm. I like to say put it in my pipe and smoke it for a while, right? Just to kind of exactly. me- meditate on it and let it come back to the same passage over and over and over again is is really really valuable. Agreed. I've been in Deuteronomy one since yeah 
mid January. So, and it's constant that, every single day. That's interesting. It's, Have you practiced scripture meditation in that way for a long time? Actually, this is the first time I've been in a passage for this long of a period of time. And it's been a another healing process, uh, another deep pain that was caused this last fall. And God just kind of basically took me to this passage. And I was happily studying Psalms. I was good. I was doing fine. He says, we're going to Deuteronomy. And I'm like, why? We just studied Deuteronomy. <laughs> so, so I've been in Deuteronomy 1, you know, 1 through 25 over and over and over. And it's just interesting how it's like peeling an onion in some regards, yeah. at least for me anyway. And it's just helping me get down deeper and deeper and then to the point where God says, okay, this is where now we're going next. This is where I'm taking you next. And, yeah, you know, it's like that one point where he, Moses is telling the Israelites, it's time to, you know, God said it was time to pack up and move, you know, to move on. And God was saying, okay, it's time to pack up and move on from your attitude, from this, you know, you need to move on because let go of this hurt. You need to forgive and let's move on. And then, then as I've been months later, of course, weeks later, He's like, okay, now we're going to move to the next phase of your ministry and where God, where I'm taking you. And that was where the podcasting came in when mm. I was at Spark. And I was like, okay. And then it's like, okay, now we're going to keep on moving. And so it's been, it's been pulling things back a little at a time. And it's just seeing different things in different days that he's revealing and pulling out. I don't know if you noticed that with when you did your, you know, John 13 or oh, whatever yeah. ones. It's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, I didn't see that before. How did I not notice that before? Oh my goodness, that is so incredible. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it's, it's just incredible. It's a different nuance every day. Yes. And you know, and often I'll sometimes I'll just sit with it for a long time. You know, that's why I was mm -hmm. I've been in John thirteen for six months because I just keep going over and over and over again. And the the Mark passage I just mentioned, same deal where for months, I would just come back to this five verses and I'd be like, why are these? Okay. I would just read this interaction and go over it and over it. And then I'd study it deeper. And then I, you know, and I'd see what God, you know, what God's saying. Um, exactly. Yeah. And then the best part is how does this apply to my life? You know, right. what is, what right. is God trying to speak to me? Cause I mean, when I first started, I don't know about you, what the first time, this is like the first time this has been such a big deal. And I'm like, okay, obviously you're trying to say something to me, but I'm not getting it. <laughs> so you want to shed some light here. But as he's been shedding more light, it's like, wow. To see the vastness and the amazingness of God. I, for me anyway, it makes me fall in love with him all over again. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's incredible. I love that. That is amazing. Wow, that's really cool. Okay, so your new podcast coming out. Yes. Well, tell us about that. So I titled it Beyond Your Quiet Time. And it basically encompasses pretty much what we've already talked about. Nice. It's just, um, I, right now I'm going through John six to start off this podcast. And so my plan is, is I will be doing teaching on John six, but I'm also going to be integrating, um, interviews as well for people that have experienced these things and how they put some of this stuff into play. Like maybe God's asked them to give them, do something like this little, the little boy feeding the 5,000, for example, What's this little thing that God says, just hand it over to me and let me take it because I got something planned for this. Um, or maybe it's, you know, what is a challenge that has come into your life and God says, I've got you, don't worry about it. Or, you know, just other things like that. But I want to be able to take through in a very deeper way through John 6. Very cool. I love that. I think that's a great idea. Not only the idea, but I love that name, Beyond Quiet Time. That is the best. Yeah, 
I want to take the, the scripture, obviously, but then I want to take it to the, okay, this is what was going on, but this is how we can relate it to our world. Now, how are you going to apply this to your life and what are you going to do with it? Right. <laughs> so, because life does change doesn't happen if you don't apply it. Right. Absolutely. Is there a time for you when, when you learned that, like when you had to, when you applied something that you maybe didn't expect? Yeah, actually when God first started having me to write, um, when I, <laughs> I laugh at myself because yeah, when I graduated, I went back to school in 2009 to get a bachelor of science in horticulture. I just felt God was telling me to go back to college. And so I went back and got the degree. I didn't know what I was supposed to get a degree in. So it was more like get something you enjoy. And I'm a total plant nerd. So that was totally <laughs> perfect for me. And I had a blast and I, I absolutely loved it. And then I graduated from school in 2013 and I um, started a do-it-yourself business. So landscape design and consulting for do-it-yourself homeowners and I loved it. He, he blessed this business. Like every year it tripled in size. Wow. And I was, I mean, I was doing really well. I felt like I was on this wonderful path to success. And then he said, now I want you to start writing. And I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I don't have time for this. And I argued with him for about a six month period of time. He won. I did not. <laughs> and <laughs> I did the whole Moses at the burning bush thing. Yeah. And it was over a period of a week. I literally got no less than 20 messages of the tale of the three servants or the tale of the talents, depending upon how your Bible titles at. whether it was the church sermon that week, whether it was blog posts I read or messages that people sent me, you know, like, Oh, I just felt this really strong need to send this message to you. And after wow. about the first five or six, I'm going, oh, this is an interesting coincidence. And afterwards, I'm like, okay, I, I feel this. I get this. <laughs> and then literally about the very last message was a guest speaker at our youth ministry that night. And he's, and of course, what did he speak on? The same thing. Wow. And I felt like every single word of that message was written just for me. And it went straight to my heart. And God, and basically God said, I've given you this love for writing. I've given you talent. I want you to, to do this now. And so for me, that was that huge moment where I was like, okay, we will start doing this. And then he started taking that. And eventually I, I closed my business because I couldn't do both. And then he had me starting a blog and then writing Bible studies and now looking towards publication and yeah. now podcasting. And it's just interesting to see how God has been taking that one step of faith out of and in fear, obviously, because I had this very successful business. Yeah. To no longer having that secondary income. So, yeah. So that's a little uh, step out of faith there. A lot of step out of faith. faith yeah. Because at first, my <laughs> husband one. didn't support my writing either. He was very not for it. But God, watching God also change his heart in the mm. process to not only being not supportive to be my biggest cheerleader and my biggest support has been also yeah. a confirmation too from God. Oh, very nice. That's great. Wow. All right, Cheyenne, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate just having a little bit, uh, just getting a, a taste of your story there. Uh, is there anything you want to leave us with? You know, if you want to get to grow in your faith, start in the gospels, get to know who Jesus is study who he is when I encourage people to study and when I go back to myself like I'm back in, in Luke again partially with Deuteronomy 1 and it's just who was he 
because you can't fall in love with somebody you don't know. And that way you have this wonderful opportunity to fall in love with him all over again. Oh, that's great. You can't fall in love with somebody you don't know. So you can you can learn Jesus. You can follow him. Uh, and we've got we've got we've got it all there. Just read it. Go read it. And he might surprise you. He often does. Oh, always. Amen. All right. Hey Shane, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you.